As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Talking Will Fuller's suspension, stashing George Kittle, and Tua's possible return on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Fantasy Football in 15 for Wednesday, December 2nd. It is still week 12, the NFL week that would never go away. We've got Steelers and Ravens coming this afternoon to finally wrap things up in week 12. We are looking beyond that to week 13 and everything that still is to come in the final week of the fantasy football regular season and ultimately the fantasy football playoffs. I'm Michael Beller, joined as I am every single episode of Fantasy Football in 15 by Derek Van Riper. DVR, this is weird, man. Both you and I have been doing this for a long time, and we've never straddled one or two different weeks quite like the way we are doing here this week. It's uncharted territory as much of this year has been. Yeah, we knew we'd get there at some point. Um, I didn't think it would include Wednesday NFL games, but uh, here we are. Embrace the weird, I guess. Yeah, embrace the weird, especially if you're uh, chasing something and need a big performance out of Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson or uh, RG3, perhaps, Ben Roethlisberger, someone in this uh, Steelers-Ravens game. As I said, we're going to look beyond that and look to some of the other things that uh, we have learned so far this week and put a fantasy spin on them. The first is Will Fuller's suspension. Obviously, we've all had some time to digest this. We actually got news of it right after we finished recording Tuesday's episode, and we decided we would just let it uh, simmer for a little bit, save it, and here we are talking about it now on Wednesday's episode. So we all know Will Fuller done for the rest of the season, and actually one game of the 2021 regular season with the six-game suspension uh, for uh, performance-enhancing drug use by Will Fuller. So we're looking ahead to the rest of the season and these Houston Texans. Let's start first with Brandon Cooks. I mean, for me, Derek, I know that you know there's are always guys who you're concerned about can they handle the pressure of being a wide receiver one? We've seen it from Brandon Cooks. I think that he could play like a wide receiver one the rest of the season. Yeah, the volume could go through the roof because this is a team that is not built the way it was a few years ago. I mean, in the previous instances in which the Houston offense had to function without Will Fuller, they had DeAndre Hopkins. They had a true number one receiver target monster, guy that was always going to get his 
regardless of who else was on the field. So things are different this time around. I don't know if they necessarily use Cooks the way they used to use Hopkins, but you have to Mm -hmm. expect an uptick in targets. And I think the question I have is, is anybody else getting enough of a bump where they go from either the waiver wire or being on the fringe of fantasy relevance into a position where we actually want them in our lineups? I mean, at receiver, Kiki QT should get more snaps and more targets, but Isaiah Coulter is also going to be a factor. Are they going to split the scraps? Is Jordan Aikens going to take on a larger role? Like yep, yep. Upgrading Cooks, we were already playing him anyway, but is there anybody you weren't playing before who you want to play now in this Houston offense? I would encourage anyone out there who uh, is uh, who is an athletic subscriber to go read uh, the piece that Aaron Reese, our Texans beat reporter, uh, wrote about who fills in, who takes over the workload that Will Fuller leaves behind. If you're not an athletic subscriber, you can still get in the door for $1 a month, athletic.com slash football and 15. So do that and then read Aaron's piece. Um, I, I, Jordan Akins is the one who actually is most interesting to me, Derek. And it that definitely has part to do with the fact that the bar at the tight end position is so low, right? I mean, Kiki Kuti, Isaiah Coulter, you're asking them to clear a pretty high bar to be fantasy-relevant wide receivers, even if they both get more work with Will Fuller out for the rest of the season. Jordan Akins, all you're really asking of him is to find the end zone or to turn six targets into four grabs for 45 yards, and you feel decent enough about him being a low-end tight end one. And he was already doing that, you know, every other week or every third game. He was already getting that opportunity now he's going to get even more opportunity and in Reese's piece one thing that we will give you here for free on this episode of fantasy football in 15 is that Akins is going to be working more out of this more out of the slot more as a traditional wide receiver standing up and running routes out of the slot uh, and that could definitely uh, play to his advantage too it just it, it feels as though he's going to be the biggest beneficiary from a target floor perspective he already had some uh, value as a red zone target for Deshaun Watson so he's the one to me that is the biggest fantasy gainer of the bunch yeah and i think even with that increase in opportunities I'm looking at Aikens as a guy that's still probably near the back of the top 10 in most yep, matchups. Yes, if he gets a great layup sort of matchup, maybe he cracks the top eight. But I think he is still kind of fringy as far as being a must-start player. But previous to this development, we're talking about a guy that was probably on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues and more of a uh, stream option or someone that you'd only pick up if you were desperate. Now I think there is a chance that he's going to have steady value. Yeah, I think that that could definitely be there for him. And, you know, you're still going to play Deshaun Watson. Obviously, you're not loving the fact that uh, he's going to be without his best receiver for the rest of the season, but I'm not counting Deshaun out at all. I think the floor is still there. The ceiling that he carried with Will Fuller, probably not quite so high uh, as it was, but still feeling good about Deshaun Watson. And I think he's the sort of guy who can adjust on the fly and get the most out of Brandon Cooks, get the most out of Jordan Akins, and make something of Kiki Kuti and Isaiah Coulter. So definitely a different world for the Texans for the rest of the season, but uh, not guys that were going to be running away from your playing Brandon Cooks or playing Deshaun Watson and feel decent about Jordan Akins as a potential low-end, uh, tight-end one guy for the remainder of the season. Someone who we know is a high-end tight-end one guy whenever he is out there is George Kittle, and of course we've been playing with him for quite a while now because of the foot injury. He's on IR. He will be on IR for at least another couple of weeks. But on Tuesday, Kyle Shanahan said there is still hope for both Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo to return from IR for the last couple of weeks of the season. Realistically, it's going to be week 15 at the absolute earliest for George Kittle. So maybe at best you get two games out of him from a 
fantasy perspective. And realistically, even beyond that, you're probably looking at Week 16 or nothing in the fantasy football world. But we all know what Week 16 is, and we all know what George Kittle is, and this feels like a sort of a no-brainer stash. If you have an IR spot to play with, this is you know part of what it's there for. Use it grab George Kittle and stash him. And hey, if it doesn't pay off, it doesn't pay off, but you didn't do anything for it. If it does pay off, you've got the number two tight end in the NFL available to you suddenly in your championship game. Yeah, I think in leagues that use IR spots, you're generally willing to wait on a first or second round pick, even if there's a very low chance of them coming back. Now, I think the more difficult question with Kittle is if you're in a league that only has five or six bench spots and no IR, do you stash him away in those formats? We're in the final week of buys. It's only two teams with the Panthers and Bucks not playing in week 13. To me, he's you know high risk, high reward, but that's what you should be looking for on your bench at this point. And you can kind of plot your course through the next couple of matchups anyway. So I would be compelled to say that in leagues where George Kittle was dropped because there are no IR spots, this would be an opportunity to scoop him up and actually stash him away on one of those bench spots because you don't need those bench spots the way you did earlier this season. It's all going to be uh, like relative to what you need. It's all circumstantial, right? But like if you if you like let's say you had like a sixth receiver or a fifth receiver and you start three receivers, you have five on your roster. Would you drop that fifth receiver? Would you feel decent about dropping whoever that fifth receiver? You know, assuming it's a standard fifth receiver, not like you have five of the top twenty-five receivers. If it's just a standard guy who's like, you know, wide receiver forty-five, and sometimes you, you put him in your lineup and sometimes or more often than not he's sitting on your bench, would you be thinking about dropping someone like that for Kittle? Yes, I mean, I, I just I don't think there's that much of a difference between the player you're describing and a replacement from the waiver wire in most leagues. Those are almost interchangeable, and based on matchups, you might even have someone you like better on the waiver wire. So I absolutely would prefer to use a spot on Kittle at this point because all you're talking about with the fifth or sixth receiver anyway is a toss-up for the last spot in a spot start. You're not going to find someone on the bottom of your roster who's a must-play in most circumstances. And once Kittle comes back, or if Kittle comes back, he's a must-play. He's a huge leg up over everybody else other than maybe Travis Kelsey at that tight end position, even if it's only for Week 16, even if it's only for Championship Week. If he's back for Championship Week, there are very few situations in which you would not play George Kittle in that matchup. All right, one more question for you, and then we'll move on from George Kittle. Let's say you have, like, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, someone who you definitely feel great about starting with the state of the tight end position right now. Would you still be making a move for Kittle if you had to sacrifice someone who's potentially startable for you? Yeah, I would, because I still think you're talking five to six points in terms of your projection, potentially, even over good tight ends like Hawkinson and Goddard. I mean, I know with Zach Ertz out, Goddard is almost in that must-start range, but it's a messy Philadelphia passing game right now. And again, if you feel good enough about what you can put out there to get to that Week 15 Mm -hmm. range, it's worth the risk to stash Kittle. Yeah, I think I would too. And I think both Hawkinson and especially Goddard, with the way he's played with Ertz out there, they're 
Um, yeah, they're they're flex relevant. They both those are both guys who you could argue flex spots for given the roles that they have in their respective passing games. But we know what George Kittle can be uh, when he's out there, even if it is just a first game back situation. That's just someone who you would definitely be happy to throw into that championship week lineup. And these are the sorts of moves that can make the difference between winning a championship and coming up just short. So keep an eye on George Kittle and definitely go out and stash him if that's something you can afford to do. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, one more topic for today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15, and it has to do with Tua Tungavailoa, of course, missed the Week 12 win over the Jets with a thumb injury, but the Dolphins are holding out hope that he can return in Week 13 and pretty much saying that once he's ready to come back, he will be the starter, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is filling in because of an injury and only because of an injury, not because he is the better quarterback for them right now. Uh, You know, you can debate Tua versus Fitz all you want. I think the more interesting thing here, though, Derek, is if you have Devontae Parker, aren't you... No one wants anyone to be injured, right? I mean, we're, we're all good people, hopefully. We don't want anyone in the world, anyone in the NFL, to be injured. But aren't you sort of wanting Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the starter if Devontae Parker is someone who you roll out every week? It's at least crossing your mind just because you've seen the two biggest target games of the season have come with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, of course, Week 12 against the Jets and all the way back in Week 4 against Seattle. But maybe the targets were up in those matchups because those were just easy matchups. Maybe the role would have been the same even if Tua was out there. So it's easy to get kind of caught up in when the production has happened and how things kind of tailed off a little bit with Tua being broken in. I think the thing we got to keep in mind, too, Tua's first start coming out of the bye in Week 8, that looked like a really scaled-down game plan. That was a two-target game, and if Devontae Parker hadn't scored, it would have been a total bust week for him, even with a TD. We're talking seven points in a lot of leagues. Uh, so I, I look at this situation, I think it, it really doesn't matter. I think it's it's good fortune, if you have Devontae Parker, to be comfortable enough with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the backup, where you're not really changing your plans for Parker based on who's playing quarterback. I think as long as two is healthy when he comes back, I still feel pretty good about Parker uh, the same way I would if it were Fitz, right? I don't think it makes that much of a difference in this case as long as Tua is actually healthy when he comes back. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're, you're definitely playing Parker no matter what. I mean, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is there. You're going to be trotting Devontae Parker out there in your fantasy starting lineup. But I, I just would feel a tiny bit better if it were Fitz. But I think that's, you know, the more important thing to take away from this is that Parker is still someone who you're going to want in your lineup. I, I do think that the Miami offense as a whole 
has a slightly higher ceiling with Fitz out there. I mean, we've just we've seen it before our eyes. I mean, you know, uh, the, the the two at starts have not been their best offensive games. And say what you will about competition, uh, they also just haven't moved the ball very much. I mean, the game against Denver was ugly. The game against the Rams that was defense and special teams that wanted for the Dolphins. We haven't seen you know too many great offensive performances. It was really the one game against Arizona that they delivered on expectation offensively. So I think Fitzpatrick just provides a steadier hand right now. And that's what you're looking for. Uh, when you got someone like Devontae Parker, when you have Miles Gaskin, if he's able to make his return, you're looking for that steady hand. So I do think that Fitz would be the steadier hand of the two, but you're definitely right that no matter what, Parker is going to be a strong play this week against Cincinnati. And let's just beat the drum one more time. I mean, Fitz to a both those guys looking good as potential stream quarterbacks here in Week 13, right? Oh yeah, I think it's a, a great spot uh, given you know the matchup against the Bengals, and I just I don't worry about Fitzpatrick because we know he's not afraid to take shots. He takes shots; it opens up big plays downfield. Yeah, he makes the occasional mistake, but when you look at the overall body of work this season, sitting right around 7.5 YPA, it's a full yard better than what Tua's done so far, so it does sort of tie into what you were saying before. Like With Tua, even though the long-term ceiling is really high, that short-term ceiling is probably a bit lower than we want it to be, uh, but I love this streaming opportunity. I think it's at least within the top three of the options on the waiver wire in most leagues. I think we talked about Kirk Cousins as the one guy that we'd probably consistently trust ahead of Ryan Fitzpatrick given the quality of the offense in Minnesota it's just a cut above what the Dolphins have personnel wise right now yeah, definitely if you're still looking to find a quarterback to lead you in week 13 those are a couple of the better options that you have available to you and we are happy that you took this option available to you listening to fantasy football in 15 as I said before we still have our one dollar per month deal rolling go to the athletic.com slash football in 15 to get that one dollar per month subscription to the athletic for Derek I am Michael we will be back with you tomorrow until then thanks for listening have a great day